0: Hi, I'm David Freudberg. We here at Humankind are trying to strike a balance to make our public radio programs available to you and also to make sure we're able to pay our production costs from office rent to staff time to studio and distribution expenses. The grants we receive from funders you hear named on our programs don't fully cover our operating costs. And if you like what you hear, we're asking for your help so we can keep our program and this podcast going. Please visit humanmedia.org. And at the top of our homepage, click on How You Can Help. Thanks. Humankind is produced in association with WGBH Boston and supported by the Humankind Program Fund and a special grant from the Henry Luce Foundation.
1: I can sit down. I can be really frightened. I can close my eyes and I can breathe. And that gets, starts the journey. I calm myself down, and I can go to a place where it's okay. Everything's okay, and it's somewhere in near my heart. Somewhere in there.
0: Amid the fears and uncertainties of illness, patients use self-reflection techniques that can open the door to living fully. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. As one of life's inevitable challenges, being sick can test our capacity for both endurance and for resilience. And as medical patients undergo the discomfort of illness, they may find themselves walking a fine line, being cognizant of what hurts without falling into panic.
2: It is stepping back and experiencing your situation in a way where the pain doesn't take hold of you. So we tend to have a reaction to just the idea of being in pain. We experience a pain, and the pain takes on a whole story. And the story oftentimes is not necessarily one that serves us well. Susan
0: Bauer-Wu is a researcher into the emotions of illness and healing associate professor of nursing at Emory University in Atlanta. She has studied how contemplative practices like meditation can ease a patient's burden of illness. And in her book, Leaves Falling Gently, Bauer-Wu explains it is possible to see that although you may undergo pain, you are not your pain.
2: So if you're experiencing a significant discomfort and you have had a serious illness, what tends to happen oftentimes is that we jump to worst-case scenario of what that pain means. Or, this pain is so confining, I can't do what I used to do. And it, all of these mental constructs that we put around the pain then add layers to our own suffering experience. So a detached and curious observer is catching yourself when your mind begins to unravel in story, begins to worry, for example.
0: Catching yourself means you notice, there I go again.
2: You notice, there I go again. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, you can bring a certain softness to your experience instead of being hard at yourself and saying, oh no, here I go again, to just maybe smiling and say, okay, here I go again, same old, same old. And once you do that, just becoming aware of what is it that you really are feeling. What are the sensations in the body? Are they changing from moment to moment. You
0: mean stripped of the overlay of the story of catastrophe and worry and education and emotional travail.
2: And just seeing it for what it is, which is, which are really physical sensations. If you, you know, pain is a whole uh, experience that includes the, you know the body and the mind and the spirit but, but if if, so, if somebody is in back,
0: in the throes of physical agony are they able to step back and and lessen their experience of the pain
2: well i i like to approach it this way that if number 1 is you have to become curious and get to know yourself and get to know your body and get to know the, your experiences including painful experiences so then when you are having pain You can discern, sort of, in the pain experience where is this? Is this something new? Is this worse than it has been? What's different about it? Because you can make wise action to then realize this is something that is definitely not right, and I need to do something about it. I need to get it checked out, or I maybe need to take medication right now, or maybe I need to lie down or go for a walk. But it's just pausing for a moment and understanding what this pain is.
0: That quiet moment is very easy for us to overlook, especially in this age where nearly everyone has a little bottle of analgesic pills within arm's reach. We're tempted to pop the pain reliever almost by reflex, yet there is another approach to dealing with discomfort.
1: Having the pain but then stopping and looking at it in a, a different way. It's like you sort of pause and pull back. Um, and... Sometimes that really eases the pain when you're shifting um, like that.
0: Pamela Post Ferrante survived eight cancer operations in the 1990s. She has since developed a series of workshops in the Boston area for cancer patients who are interested in creative writing as a way to sort through the intense emotions of a life-threatening illness.
1: One of the things I have people do is take note, carry notebooks or note cards in between the sessions, and if they're having a feeling, of anger, or pain or something, they they'll write it down, and um, then they might write more about it. But where is it coming from? Where is this anger coming from? What? But it, it it allows a space between feeling it and then writing about it, and then you know they never know where the writing's going to go, but. It reminded me, actually, of childbirth. Childbirth, having having a baby, where you just can't believe you're in so much pain, but you're told to breathe, and so you you stop concentrating on the pain and you concentrate on the breath.
0: And so much of this is where we place our exactly. concentration.
2: Yeah, it, it, it is all about where we place our attention, and where we choose to sort of fan the fan the fire.
0: That's Susan Bauer-Wu, the Emory nursing professor who researches the health effects of meditation. Where we place our attention is a key theme of meditation, which is fundamentally a way for a person to focus the mind. So where should people in discomfort or facing illness place their attention? Are there times when it's better to disregard pain so that it ceases to have a grip on us? Maybe just try to move past it.
2: Yes, if we're doing it in a way that is one of wise action. So we are very thoughtful and deliberate in our running away. I was, just a couple days ago, I was leading a group of um, cancer patients. It was a multiple myeloma cancer support group. And we, went, we explored this whole idea of pain because most of the people in the room were experiencing pain and they there was this one woman who said that she was experiencing chronic pain in her feet it was a, sounded like it was from neuropathy from medications that she had had which is like a severe burning and numbness and tingling in her feet and she said if i pay attention to the pain, it definitely gets worse. It gets worse. And if it gets worse, then it's going to just stop me. And I just, there's too much I want to do. There's too much I enjoy doing. So you know what? I'm not going to pay attention to that pain and I'm going to keep going. And
0: just tune it out.
2: Yes and no. Again, that was an exploring. It wasn't just tuning it out. It's an awareness that it's there. So it's not totally tuning it out.
0: You're not pretending.
2: You're not pretending. You know it's there. But at the same time, you recognize you're taking wise action to go on with your life and to go on with your day in a way that's not going to harm your body. But you're not letting the, the, the pain take take over your life acceptance is at the heart of healing if you look at the you know root of the word heal it's it's whole and it's to be whole so at the heart of that is acceptance and easing into the full experience.
0: What is being accepted?
2: There's uncertainty. There are certain things that are out of our control. Acceptance that our lives eventually will end, which we, we all have a terminal illness. <laughs>
0: it's mm-hmm. called
2: birth. <laughs> Absolutely, we do. But it's, it's, it's really recognizing that, accepting it that our lives are finite. I think that's at the you know in until you can come to a point and just sort of be open to that. And boy boy
0: do we spend a lot of time denying that.
2: Denying it, resisting it, pushing it away, running away from it. And what happens? It doesn't go away. It gets larger. It becomes it just hangs over us even more and more and more. And what is amazing is that when people can turn toward it and face it, face it, be with it, sometimes it's not as scary as we thought it was.
0: Often, facing something shrinks it. It does. I, f- I find.
2: It does. I think
1: Susan's uh, exactly right. Until we acknowledge what it is really that we have... Um, we we don't know what the outcome might be. Oftentimes, but until we acknowledge, we haven't really sort of held it. I like to say that ha- haven't really held it and gotten to know it, which we need to do for wholeness—mind, body, spirit. Um, so when a person
0: can have some peace around. Yeah, when we're
1: running, we're running. You know, when we stop and we pick it up, uh, there is some peace in that. There's a lot of peace in that.
0: When we stop and pick it
1: up. Right, instead of running from it, maybe turn around. Um, maybe look at it, maybe pick it up. That that would be really brave, right?
2: Um, but I think that's really important. Acceptance doesn't mean you have to like it.
0: Susan Bauer Wu.
2: And I think that there's some confusion there where we think we have to... In order to accept it, we have to like it. It has to be...
0: So if if we don't like it, what is the nature of accepting it? I mean, is it resignation?
2: It just is.
0: No judgment.
2: No judgment. It just is.
0: We're talking with Susan Bauer-Wu, Emory University nursing professor, mind-body researcher, and author of Leaves Falling Gently, and with Pamela Post-Ferrante, author of Writing and Healing. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. For more information on this segment, Living Fully with Illness, check our website, humanmedia.org. For most people, an encounter with serious illness stimulates self reflection. It can force patients to reevaluate their priorities, their behaviors, their lives. But taking a good, deep look at oneself may not be easy. Often, introspection unfolds in layers and stages. And the self reflective practice known as therapeutic writing can aid the process. It's a technique in which medical patients express their thoughts and feelings on paper, or maybe a computer screen, as a way to make sense of their situation, to find meaning. Sometimes it takes the form of a private diary, not intended for viewing by others. Or it can be structured as a group experience where individuals share what they've written in the kind of setting where Pamela Post-Ferrante has led workshops for hospital patients, caregivers, and others.
1: When someone writes something down, it's as if they've taken it out of themselves and put it um, put it onto paper. Um, I see it as almost something that I can see when, when someone shares what they've written Um
0: so it makes it visible.
1: It makes it visible. They can reread it. They can share it. They can add to it later. Um, and I had one one woman who was a participant who wrote: "The more I write, the lighter I feel. The more my history comes off my shoulders." Mm-hmm. Um, and you could see it. I'd known her for. About five years, and you could see the, the lightness in her. So that's way one way that writing, um, I think, is very beneficial, and especially if you ha- if you have an illness, uh, you, you might become confused uh, as to who you are now, because it's not the same. And I think writing. Um, informs you as to who you are, where you're going, what you've done, where you've been.
0: What do you mean you become confused as to who you are now?
1: Well, if you have a a cancer diagnosis, um, everything changes pretty quickly. Um, You may have to give up your work for a while for treatment. Um, You may lose relationships. Uh, You may have to withdraw from the community. Uh, you know that you are not going to be the same person if you have different surgeries and treatments. Um, And there's something very resilient about finding a voice, finding your voice, and that's one of the things that the writing groups have been so helpful with. Women have written and shared and read aloud their work, Um, and in that way they have sort of, it's almost as if they've stood up tall, even though maybe their body doesn't even change. And they've said, this is who I am. And the writing that I do with them is I'll give them a prompt, a picture or something, and they'll write as if they were that object. For example? Well, I might pass around a basket of objects. And uh, someone might pick up uh, a paper mache egg Say, for instance, I remember one woman doing that, and it was very beautiful on the outside. And, and she wrote, and she said, I am very beautiful on the outside. I have lots of colors. I have some textures. Um, and you really wouldn't know that I was hollow right now. Hollow. Hollow right now. You wouldn't know that I had taken out of me what meant the most but I am beautiful. And there was another woman who said, uh, someone had written about a train leaving uh, a station, and she wrote, uh, I feel as if the train has has left the station without me, and I'll never be able to catch up. And I asked her, um, after the session, I said, if I had asked you how you're feeling, would you have said that? She said, no, I would have said I feel fine. <laughs>
2: you
1: know? So it, it's that sort of thing that sometimes it goes a little deeper. So what, what is
0: it in the act of writing? I experience the same thing. Somehow sitting down with you know pen and paper or keyboard and computer screen allows us to perhaps get honest with ourselves bring to the surface things that had been subconsciously swirling around?
1: Well, I think writing is is, some, is something different than thinking or talking. You know, just the act of writing is a little bit slower. It slows you down if you're writing by hand. Um, and most of the people in my group do write by hand. So I think preceding it with meditation uh, or five minutes of silence uh, softens the walls that we build up, but writing itself takes you where you don't know you're going.
0: You encourage patients to establish, as you said, a safe place while undergoing sickness if they're medical patients. Can you describe the importance of a safe place?
1: Well, um, with, I think without a safe place, you're not going to share. Uh, you, you may not even write something important. But if you feel safe, um, both of those things are possible.
0: What is your safe place?
1: It's inside of me now. It wasn't in the beginning. Um, it's, it's inside of me, and it goes wherever I go. So many of these things are practices. I've been practicing for 10, 11 years.
0: But could you explain what that means when you say your safe place is inside of you, goes wherever you go?
1: I can sit down, I can be really frightened, I can close my eyes and I can breathe, and that gets, starts the journey. I calm myself down and I can go to a place where it's okay. Everything's okay and it's somewhere in, near my heart. Somewhere in there. Um.
0: Feel safe, feel unthreatened
1: safer you know
0: you can trust
1: yeah yeah it's where i need, it's where i need to go often <laughs> often
0: people who believe in God or who have a higher power, where does that connection, relationship, awareness fit in to healing?
2: I think it comes down to a very deep sense of love. Just being really deeply loved.
0: Being deeply loved.
2: Yeah. And feeling it in every cell of our bodies.
0: Susan Bauer Wu.
2: Not questioning it. Just knowing a very um, clear inner knowing.
1: How about for you, Pamela?
2: I do have a, a higher power, um,
1: but it's not one that says everything's going to be all right <clears throat> by any means. And
0: Meaning it's not one that says everything will be physically cured?
1: everything will be physically cured, everything will be easy, you know. Everything is planned for you um, to get through life in a a very uh, fine way. And and in fact, the older I get, the, the more it isn't that. But I feel great comfort in having this higher power who I feel connected to. And one of the things I love is, I think it's Julian of Norwich, who says, all shall be well and all shall be well. In all manner of things shall be well. And I see that as underwriting everything. And it's saying to me, all shall be well, but you don't understand. And you're not going to understand. But it's going to be okay.
0: So there's a kind of a base or a foundation of things being well.
1: Um, it's a well that I don't understand, or maybe all shall be well in, as time extends itself. Maybe not all shall be well as you think, or all shall be well today, but in general, this higher power does not make my life easy, necessarily. But I can make my life easier by, um, some of the practices Susan was talking about too, by not um, worrying obsessively about something. But if I can, have, can carry with me, and it, again, it's a, it's a practice. Everything I do is a practice. I have to rethink it and redo it every day. If I have this practice that, you know, I am here and I am well for today and I have work I can do and I have a roof over my head. and These are gratitude practices in a way. Um, then then I'm okay. I'm okay. I can be full of grief about things, as we all are, people who are sick, um, things that I think shouldn't happen, that break my heart, uh, and I don't understand. But that doesn't make me stop believing.
0: So when your heart is broken, mm-hmm. is there a connection to your higher power?
1: Yes. Yes, I'll go inside my safe place and um, I'll take my broken pieces with me.
0: Well, I have one other question and there may be no answer to it, but I'll pose it anyway. What is the power of silence in healing from disease?
2: Mm. The power of silence in healing. When people are experiencing a catastrophic illness or other major life challenges, you know, it's like a storm, and the wind is blowing, and it's raining hard, and they're just, can feel like they're getting thrown around. And silence offers an opportunity to just settle and perhaps find a calm in the middle of the storm. It's not running from the storm. You know, the storm is very much, you know, there's an awareness of what's happening in your life, but you can just drop in stillness
0: the peaceful eye of the hurricane
2: the peaceful eye of the hurricane I think that's where the power comes
0: Susan Bauer Wu associate professor of nursing at Emory University and a researcher in mind-body stress reduction she is author of leaves falling gently living fully with serious and life-limiting illness through mindfulness compassion and connectedness served as an oncology, psychiatric, and hospice nurse. Also joining us, Pamela Post Ferrante, author of Writing and Healing, A Mindful Guide for Cancer Survivors. For more than 25 years, she has taught creative writing as a therapeutic tool in healthcare. She is also a cancer survivor. I'm David Freudberg. Studio recording by Antonio Oliart-Rose. Editorial assistance from Thomas Royal and Kathy Graham. Webmaster, Brian K. Johnson. Special thanks to Tony Buck. The program is produced by Human Media in association with WGBH Boston. Program development provided by Shart Media.
1: To purchase a CD copy of this program, please call 1-800-5-LISTEN. That's 1-800-5-L-I-S-T-E-N. Or visit our website, where you can also obtain an audio download of this and our other programs and can hear selected episodes free. You can access free written materials related to this program as well. Our web address is humanmedia.org. Again, if you'd like to purchase a CD copy of Humankind by phone, please call 1-800-5-LISTEN. And our web address is humanmedia.org.
0: This segment, Living Fully with Illness, is Humankind Program Number 176.
1: The executive producer is David Freudberg. This is Humankind.